If you have your Bibles now, I have a special message. I believe that God has laid on my heart. And, and uh, my son said, are you doing a double header today? And I said, yes, because I have two messages that God has given me. And I'm not doing them both this morning. <laughs> so you relax. Uh, but I have a message this morning, and I have a message for tonight. You don't want to miss either one of these services tonight is going to be a major, major breakthrough tonight. I want you to remember that. Plan to be here if you can. And this morning, we're just going to have an awesome time in the Lord. Praise God. Oh, what a pleasure to be in the house of God. I can't tell you too much because my mom's here, but God's brought me safely through a lot of things this week. Hallelujah. Been very, very kind to me. Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to the book of Hosea, chapter 6. Hallelujah. Everybody happy? That's good. Here we go. Come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain under the earth. And I, before I get into the word preaching, I want you just to notice the positive promises here. I want you to notice it says, he will heal us. He will bind us up. I'm reading from the word of God. He will revive us. He will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. He shall come unto us. I see all these phrases I'm reading directly from this passage. Don't know if I'll get to any of those things, but I just wanted to mention them to you. They are very, very powerful promises. Now, Jesus, I ask, O oh God, that there would be a, a cloud of your presence that would descend over this body of people and over this preacher. I pray for the Shekinah. I pray, O oh Lord, for the glory cloud of the Lord to fill this house. I pray that you would let your spirit, cause your spirit to move in our hearts. Quicken us today. I pray, O oh God, that everything that needs to happen, you would cause to happen by your great spirit. I pray, O oh God, in the name of Jesus for a special anointing upon me and upon this people. And Father, I thank you for it now. I know you're here. I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Today, with your help, and your undivided attention. 
For the next few moments, I will try to preach concisely and briefly on this subject. Come and let us return unto the Lord. Come and let us return unto the Lord. This particular passage of Scripture is critical for anybody who desires to be ready for the soon coming of the Lord. I don't know if you realize it or not, but these are not just normal days. You'd have to be living under a rock to think that. But these are unusual days, and furthermore, they are prophetical days. For those who wish to be ready, please tune in to what I will say. For all who are not satisfied just to live for God for a day, or live for God for a week, or live for God for a month or for a year, but you desire to make it all the way home, to you I will preach. To those who desire to make it all the way home, you don't want to stop a few feet from the winter circle and throw in the towel. This passage of Scripture is so critical this morning. It also has a very important prophetical element, and I hope to mention that just briefly. Hosea starts by saying, come and let us return unto the Lord. Now, it's an amazing thing, but most people I know never intend to stray. The most people that I know never consciously decided that I think I'm going to stray from the Lord. Most folks who stray from the Lord do it so gradually and so imperceptibly that at first they, they don't even realize that they're losing ground in their relationship with the Lord. I don't know very many people who just up and decided one day, I think I'll just walk away from the Lord. You'd have to be a fool. Nevertheless, over a period of time, we do stray. And to you that desire to make it all the way home, I will give a wake-up call today. I don't come here today to preach something to you that's going to make you just go, oh, pastor, that was so good. I come today to wake somebody up, to shake you awake by the power of the Holy Ghost because time is not on your side. Matter of fact, time is running out. The Word of God says, and I'm looking at it right now in Isaiah 53 and 6, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. So when you start saying, oh, that's good for brother, that's good for sister, just open your heart like this, because the Word of God simply put says, all have strayed. If we could be where God intended for us to be, we'd be further down the road right now in all of our relationships with God. 
but all we like sheep have gone astray. And I was reading the words of a shepherd, not, not a biblical shepherd, but a shepherd who actually tends sheep. And, and he said, a, a sheep will wonder when it gets distracted. It'll wonder when it gets distracted. It, and, and can you realize with me for a moment that there are huge distractions that are trying to interfere with your walk with God, with your prayer life? with your dedication, with your attendance to worship. There are huge distractions, and it is purposeful and pointed. A sheep will wander away to inspect something that it finds interesting. Not doing it because the sheep has a desire to leave the flock or leave the shepherd. It just finds something that's interesting, it begins to check it out, begins to walk toward it. And sometimes a sheep will wander because it becomes afraid of something. Something startled it, and it runs away. This happens also in the kingdom of God. The devil always operates by fear. He will try to keep your stomach in a knot. He will try to continually be breathing into your ear, what if, what if, what if. He is a devil that loves to use fear as a weapon. But the biggest reason a sheep strays is what we read in Isaiah 53 and 6. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. This is the biggest factor in people who stray from God. They will say, this is the way I want to do this. Or this is my personal preference and they don't follow my personal preference. So I think I'll go this way or I think I'll, I'll go that way. And, and the word of God is correct when it says we have turned everyone to his own way. The last song you want to be singing when you stand before the judgment bar, and Paul, welcome also, I didn't mention you. The last song you want to be singing at the judgment bar is, I did it my way. You don't want to stand before God and sing Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way. That would not be a good position for you. You want to be able to say, I did it your way. I chose to be like Abel and not like Cain. Cain did it his own way. Abel did it God's way. Cain lived a little longer on this earth than Abel. But Cain went out from the presence of God. He strayed. And Abel, though he is dead, yet still speaks. Are you with me today? We decide that we can live our way. We feel like we can do it. Are you ready? I don't need nobody's help. I can do it by myself. Pardon the grammar. I knew it wasn't right. But I'm illustrating the point. 
There are folks who stray because they don't feel the need of the flock. But when 99 other ears go up and 99 eyes point, that is a big advantage for a sheep. Because he says, oh, something's going on over there. The the whole flock has alerted me. I'm going to tell you that there is such an advantage when we walk with our shepherd with the flock. I'll never forget as a teenage boy, I, I came to Maine for a visit. And one of the first things I did was I went up to Jackman, Maine. How many knows where Jackman is? I had never been in a big forest, ever. I was from the farmlands of southern Illinois. And uh, my introduction to Maine was, I went up to the North Maine Woods. Now, if you know what the North Maine Woods is, it's, it's a 3.5 million acre forest. Three and a half million acres of forest, western Aroostook County, northern Penobscot, Piscataquis, Somerset counties. And one thing you learn when, when you get up in that area, Maine has very few permanent inhabitants in the north Maine woods. Matter of fact, it's only 15 miles to the, the Quebec border in which another large expanse of forest continues and I remember going up there, and it was my first time in a large forest, and I went out into the forest, and I was enjoying myself pretty well. And I decided I would take a shortcut back to camp. That was a bad idea. Shortcuts usually end up being long cuts. It is so also with your walk with God. Some people are looking for the easiest, littlest commitment possible church with a pastor who just says, don't sin and don't name the sin. Live good, but don't tell what living good is about. Edify me. Make me feel good. And it seems like a shortcut, but it's not. I'll never forget as a boy walking through that forest and all of a sudden everything started looking the same. As I recall, I did not have a compass. And I've gone out far enough now that I thought I was going to take a shortcut back to the camp, but I realized after a little while that the camp was nowhere near. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I just didn't relish the idea of staying overnight in the main North Woods. Now, since that time, I've had some experience in the North Woods, and I'm more comfortable with it now. And and matter of fact, I was just up there this week. But at that time, there was a knot that came in my stomach. 
as I looked around and realized I had no clue where I was. And I knew I was in a bigger force than I'd ever been in my life. And I knew if I turned the wrong way, I could walk across the Canadian border and never know I'd left Maine. And that I could actually walk for days and not be spotted because of the canopy of the trees. That even a pilot flying overhead would not be able to see me. Had no water, had no provisions. And I remember the the sickening feeling that I felt in my stomach as I realized that I was lost. I can't explain to you how that felt unless you've ever had a similar experience or unless there was a time when you were hopelessly lost spiritually. And you realized that if God didn't help you, that you were not going to make it. The enemy of our soul loves when we stray. And here's what the Lord says to you. Come, let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. You see, there's something that I notice in this particular verse right here. And that is when you stray from the Lord you get torn. When you stray from the Lord, you get smitten. This always happens. Anytime that people stray from the Lord, it may not be the first day or the first year. It may not be the first five years. But when you stray far enough from the Lord, you will end up being torn. You see, there's a reason the devil is known as the destroyer. There's a reason why he's known as the destroyer. Don't think that because God has protected you up to now, that you can just stray wherever you want, do whatever you like, go wherever you want to go, disregard the will of God for your life, and everything is going to end up just wonderfully well. That is exactly what the devil would like for you to think. But I hear the voice of God calling to someone today. And he said, come, let us return unto the Lord. He hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Listen to me. The devil loves to propagate a lie. And it's understandable because Jesus said he's a liar. And the father of lies. But one of the biggest lies that he pawns off on people is living for God is hard. Well, you can't really live for God because if you live for God, you're going to miss out on all the fun. You're going to miss out on all the joy. You're going to miss out on a lot of good times. You can't do nothing. You can't do this. You can't do that. And you're just going to be living life inhibited. That's what he loves to tell you. But the word of God declares in Proverbs 13 verse 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to go through it to find out that it's true. You can learn from the good word of the Lord. 
The Word of God says that the way of transgressors is hard. Now, folks, everybody has trials. The righteous barn burns down just like the unrighteous man's barn burns down. Righteous people have loved ones who pass. Unrighteous people have loved ones who pass. There are some things that are common to humans, no matter who you are, no matter what your status. But I will tell you that in addition to that, the way of the transgressor is hard. It's much harder when you don't have someone that you can drop to your knees and say, Lord, this is bigger than I. It's so much harder when you're trying to navigate through the river of life without any guidance from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's much harder when you can hear the hounds of hell baying at your heels and you have no one to protect you. It is much harder when you're going through the things and you will go through things that you would not have had to go through if you would live for God and return unto the Lord. It's not just an empty thing. It's not a ploy. It's not a trick. It's not a way to get people to come to a particular church. It is a fact of life that at some point in life, if you do not return to the Lord, things will get unbelievably crazy hard. So here, there are times in our lives when, when God speaks to us. Now, you might think that we're here today by coincidental circumstance. But we are not. God is leading and directing and guiding our steps. If I can be on Route 80 in the middle of Pennsylvania, take a wrong exit, drive 10 or 15 miles off the exit, to a restaurant that I hate and say, okay, we'll feed the kids. Swing the door open. And there is a man in that restaurant I had baptized in Jesus' name seven years prior, had lost contact with him. He needed someone to talk to him. And God puts this guy from Maine on Route 80 and I leave the interstate on the wrong exit trying to find a restaurant to feed my kids, and I'm grumbling because it's so far off the beaten path. I'm in the middle of the Pennsylvania forest, and all of a sudden, I'm standing face to face with a man that God said, I want you to talk to this man. You are here by direct order of God. You are here because God loves you, because God cares for you, because God has a direction for your life. It is most important that you follow the instructions of the Lord. Isn't it kind of unusual when the pastor leaves home and it's deer season and he goes out to hunt in Whitefield and he picks a point at random and pulls his truck over and pulls out his rifle and puts on his orange, walks a half mile or a quarter of a mile into the woods starts to step out on a power line and there's a, a young man who's got a bottle in a bag and he's tipping it and he's smoking a joint and passing it to his buddy. Do you think it was coincidence that I walked out there and that was a person 
who was a man, young man known unto me. And I stepped out of the power line, called his name, and began to talk to him. And God helped him. Do you think it might be coincidental that at one o'clock in the morning, this pastor's driving down the road and runs out of gas, and a man who needs God drives by and picks me up, takes me to get gas, and I get gas in the car, and when I'm done, I said, I've got to come meet your wife and your children, and he said, come soon. And is it coincidence that I baptized him and I baptized his wife and I baptized all of his kids? Was it coincidence that I met him at one o'clock on the shoulder of Interstate 95, 27 miles south of Augusta in a driving rainstorm? I'm here to tell you that though you may not recognize it, there is an invisible hand that has so far protected you and brought you to where you are today and ordained that you should hear the preaching that would come from this pulpit and that you would feel the presence of God as these dear people worship the Lord and something inside of you would begin to click and you begin to say, I feel something. Why did my eyes just water? Why did I just feel? something. What was that I just felt? I will tell you that that is the hand of God coming by one more time and cautioning and calling and wooing you and saying, listen, return now. It's time to return unto the Lord. Never forget, I was in Oakland how many know where the McGraw Pond Road is in Oakland? Okay. I was in the woods off the McGraw Pond Road in Oakland. There's a sharp hairpin curve, and off that curve back in those days, I don't even know if it's still there, but there was a tote road that went up, in the, up a hill into the woods. It was a pretty thick woods. And I'm walking up that tote road, and I see... Something that astounded me. I see one sheep. Its wool was torn and matted. Cockleburs all through its wool. It looked like it was in trouble. When it saw me, it turned and, and it fled. And I tried to find a farmer in the area that was raising sheep and I couldn't find any. I don't know how long that sheep had been out there, but it was in great distress, and it was in great trouble, and it was by itself. There wasn't anybody with that sheep, and I thought, dear God, what are you trying to tell me? I understand now what the Lord was showing me in that unusual to be confronted with a sheep in the woods in Maine. And I'm sure it was a domestic sheep that had gotten away from its farmer. But I realized that one sheep alone in the main woods is not going to endure. It's not going to last. It's not going to find sustenance when the cold winds of winter begin to blow. It's not going to find enough heat when the cold winds of winter are blowing. There's no barn out there. There's no hay out there. And there is no shepherd out there. Hey, I'm talking to somebody right now. The devil's doing everything he can to get you to stray far enough until he says two words, gotcha. 
And I have to tell you that I feel very strongly that you're running out of time. Some of you think that God is so merciful just as long as you believe that God loves you. That's all that counts. But you are willingly ignorant of the Scripture because the Scripture says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And everyone knows the devil will not be saved. I need to tell you something. Look me in the baby blues. You are running out of time, sir. You're running out of time, ma'am. This is not something that you can put off any longer. If what God is telling me is correct, if what I'm feeling is true, you are running out of time. But today is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day you can come to the Lord. This is the day you can be renewed in the Holy Ghost. This is the day that you can say, God, here I am. This is the day and you can return unto the Lord. With every news broadcast, what really is being said is the Lord Jesus is coming. Now, you can be scared, and it's scary. And, and, and you can look at the, what's going on, and you go... Hallelujah. There he goes. I, I can only tell you that what you are seeing happen right now is fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And it... The, the, the beat is picking up. The pace is now increasing. It will increase now unto the rapture. Now I want to talk about the prophetical component of our passage of Scripture. In Hosea chapter 6 and verse 2, Hosea said, After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Now I, I think Many of you know, but I will tell just in case somebody doesn't. Hosea was a prophet to Israel. He was prophesying to Israel. And he's speaking to Israel, but he says, after two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. He's talking about Israel. And we shall live in his sight. God told the Hebrew people, after two days will he revive us. We are living right now in the wrap-up of this age. I'm going to refer you to the elder, the apostle Peter, when he was not too long before he would pass to his reward. He penned the two epistles of first and second Peter. And in second Peter chapter three and verse eight, the apostle said, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Listen carefully. Used in the Apostle Peter's prophecy in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Taking that into consideration, when the prophet Hosea told Israel, he said, after two days, he will revive us. Revive who? Revive Israel after two days. Or after 2,000 years will he revive us if a day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years. 
Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and rose again, and ascended back into heaven, some scholars say, in 33 A.D. Other scholars say it was 30 A.D. Let me say something that you will help you understand what I'm trying to show you. The writer of Hebrews said, where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Now, if you would understand with me, the New Testament is called... The New Testament, it could also be called the New Will. It is the last will and testament of Jesus Christ, who was the testator. A testament becomes effective after the testator has died. A new testament begins when the will is read after the death of the testator. This is why when the thief on the cross said... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross was the last person to be saved under the Old Testament. Because the New Testament would not become effective until Jesus, the one who made the Testament, who's called the testator, died. When he would die, then the New Testament rules would begin. But under the Old Testament, you had to have a priest and you had to have a lamb. And Jesus was the high priest and Jesus was the lamb. And he was the last person saved under the Old Testament. So the New Testament began with the death of the testator, Jesus Christ. If Jesus was crucified in 33 A.D., from 33 A.D. until now would be 1,988 years. And in just 12 years from now, it would be two days or 2,000 years. If Jesus was crucified, according to some scholars, in 30 A.D., that would be 1,991 years ago. And in just nine years, it will have been two days or 2,000 years. You don't really, and I can't seem to grasp, that we are the generation that should be expecting the trump of God to sound, the dead in Christ to rise, and we which are alive and remain. No wonder the devil's fighting so hard. He has little time left, and he's very angry because he knows his time is up. But you are living in the generation that should be watching and preparing and expecting and drawing close to Christ. And don't think that because he hasn't come. Hallelujah. And somebody says, well, I got nine or 12 years left. No. You need to take an, another scripture into consideration. When Jesus said in Matthew 24, 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be what? 
Folks, I hear the sounds of his coming. It could be today. There is not one thing left in Bible prophecy that has to happen before Jesus can come. Anybody who tells you differently, you bring them to me. I'll sit down with them and show them in the Scripture. There's not one thing left that has to happen. Jesus could actually come today. And this is why the Bible says that Jesus said, What I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. For you know not the day nor the hour when your Lord comes back. You need to start packing your suitcase, spiritually speaking. It's not that you're doing some bad things. You just need to get, you're not packed. You just need to get packed up. You're too caught up with everything that's going on in this world and not caught up enough with getting ready. Come on, heaven's a prepared place. When's the last time you really felt the presence of God? When's the last time you let the Spirit of God fill you and you spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance? Somebody said, well, what in the world is that going to do? Just read the Bible, friend. You're going to find out it's very important. Just read the parable of the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, and the foolish were designated foolish because they were empty of oil or low on oil, which is typical of the Holy Ghost. But ye, beloved, building on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm packing my bags, Bubba. I'm getting out of here. You can have this whole world. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. See, Here's what's going on. I hope I haven't lost you. Here's what is going on. Right now, our society has become like the, the, the society of Noah's day. Noah's generation lived for fun and pleasure. Fun and pleasure. Fun and pleasure. Fun and pleasure. It's trying to creep into the saved people. It's trying to become the most important element of saved people. It, it, there's a spirit that says, I, I want to be doing something that's pleasurable. I want to be doing something that's fun all the time. Don't talk to me about cross-bearing. Don't talk to me about self-denial. Don't talk to me about taking up my cross and following Jesus. Just let me have fun. I'm going to live for fun and pleasure. And that's exactly the way it was in Noah's generation. To Noah's generation, fun and pleasure was everything. Fun and pleasure came ahead of everything. And the Bible says it like this. Matter of fact, from the lips of Christ himself, that they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Until the day that he entered the ark, they were having Fun and pleasure, that's all they live for. And every one of them drowned. They were blissfully unaware of impending judgment. Just like some folks today, they have no idea of where we are. Judgment is coming, but the fire escape is called the rapture. You're going to get a chance to get out of here before the judgments of God hit this world. And that is called the coming of the Lord. And the Bible says, but as the, day of Noah, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Are you with me? I'm wrapping up. You're very kind. Jesus also said, likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted and built, 
But the same day, everybody say the same day, that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The spirit of Noah's day said, sacrifice everything, and I mean everything, for fun. If it's fun, sacrifice it all. If it's a, if it's a marriage, throw it away. If it's a family, ditch it. It, it, whatever it is that stands between you and fun, you just make fun and pleasure your most important object. That was the spirit of Noah's day. The spirit of Lot's day was to sacrifice it all for money. They were busy buying, selling, planting, and building. And in Lot's day, they were a people who were saying, if it makes a buck, we don't care how unethical it is. If it makes me money, that's what counts. And the Bible says that the men of Lot's day, the spirit of Sodom was one of confusion. People did not know who they were anymore. They were even confused to the point of knowing their own gender. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you that's exactly what was going on in Lot's day. It was a spirit that came from hell that brought confusion upon them. There are people today that the reason they're where they are is not because they're evil. They have been overcome by a spirit of confusion. They no longer know what is right. They no longer know what is wrong. They can't discern between right and wrong anymore. A spirit of confusion has enveloped them. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah died in the flames Because what they were doing was evil then, and what is happening is evil now. Jesus is about to come. And so I stand here, I know it's not politically correct, but I stand here today and I say, wake up, wake up, wake up. Yes, I know, it will be business as usual right up to the day when Jesus comes. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof might must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. And then Jesus said something that makes a chill go over my back every time I read it. He said, you look at me. Remember Lot's wife. Why would he say that? Because she started out. She was on the right road. And then she became a monument to failure. Why? Because she started out to do the right thing and she got distracted and she turned around and looked back, left behind forever. And the Bible teaches us that if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. In the day of the Lord or in the night when the Lord comes, that night the Bible says two shall be sleeping in a bed, one shall be taken and the other left. Oh, I was going to, oh my God, she's gone. Two will be at work on the job, Jesus said. One will be taken. Hey, John, would you hand me? Gone. One will be taken, the other left. Then shall we know if we follow one to know the Lord. Listen to me. 
You know how you're going to know? You know how you're going to be saved? You've got to follow on. You've got to press on. You can't give up. You can't stray. You can't just let yourself be drowned in all the world stuff that's going on and, and lose your relationship with Christ. Come on, hear me today. Hear me today. If we follow on, if we press on to know the Lord, it's not to those who start that the promise is made. It's to those who follow on. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. And my word to you is follow on. David said one thing of I desire of the Lord. And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I don't know about you, but it's heartbreaking to see somebody put so much effort in their walk with God. And just before the Lord comes, they just kind of saunter off into the sunset. Just praying. And I hear the voice of the Lord saying, Return. Live for me all the days of your life. He's going to come to you just as sure as the morning comes. He's going to come. He's going to help you right now. Satan, I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus. Take your filthy talons out of that lady's ears. Take your filthy talons out of that guy's ears. Let them hear the word of the Lord. Let them feel the presence of God. Just because you're going to be lost, Satan, they don't have to be lost. You just tell hell we're not coming. Some people stray just by procrastination. Preacher, you know, I think what you're saying is correct. And I'm going to do it. I've had plans. I'm not going to die lost. I'm not going to die estranged from God. I, I'm, I'm going to do it. And there's somebody here right now that the Father has spoken to you many times and said, this is what I want you to do. And you say, yes, I'm going to. Father, I, I promise you, I swear, I'm going to do it. Someday. I'm going to do it one of these days. I, I promise you, I don't intend to ever miss this. I'm going to do it. I, I, you watch. I'll get baptized. Just, just wait. But time won't wait. Never forget the little lady. She was kneeling about right here at a place where I was preaching. And as I walked behind her, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, She'd never been baptized in Jesus' name. Now, you might think the Lord doesn't speak like that. I happen to know he does. Amen. He saved my life on more than one occasion. I know he does. Uh-huh. I don't know how it happened even this week. I was involved in a little aviation mishap. And just before things started going south really quickly a voice came on the radio and said your nose wheel has not come down no one knows who said that never did figure it out I know that there's a God that watches over us (laughs) 
And I walked up to this little lady, and she was kneeling. She was such a fine grandmother type. And I walked up, and I'm such a kind, fuzzy guy. And I said, Grandma, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I watched her shoulders begin to go like this as she sobbed. And she had her face in her hands. And I heard her say through her fingers, I want to be. Next night, she was baptized out in the front yard. Came out of the water, speaking in those Holy Ghost tongues. I went back one year later. I'm standing on the platform. I'm getting ready to preach. And I said, where's Grandma? He said, oh, she went to be with the Lord after you left. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, do not gamble on tomorrow. You're gambling with the most precious thing you've got. And that's the part of you that's going to live forever somewhere. Return unto the Lord now. And I close. And I'd say musicians come, but my musicians are all in youth service. God is calling somebody in this building right now. I promise you, there's two things. I've said this to the church many times. When God calls you, he saves you for something, and he saves you from something. I hope that you live to see what God saves you for. Because God certainly has good plans for you. But I hope to God that you never see what God was saving you from. The way of the transgressor, my friend, is hard. And so, today, you have this opportunity. Today, I'm preaching to people that God is calling today. I cannot promise you that he will come and give you tomorrow. I cannot promise you that a week from now we'll all be back here in the same building. No, I can't promise you that. I can only tell you that today, if you will hear his voice. Somebody said, well, preacher, I didn't mean to stray. I understand no one's condemning you. But I hear the Lord saying, return, quick, come, let us return unto the Lord.